You're listening to a Big Finish production. This is the Big Finish podcast, official release date 18th of December 2017. Cunicum Benji! It's beginning to feel a lot like Christmas. It I really wonder is. whether you. I wonder whether you wouldn't be able to resist singing that. Oh, I had to, you know, it's, it's one of those, it, it, it's, it's drummed into you, isn't it? That's the thing, it, yeah. it is beginning to feel a lot like Christmas because everybody else is telling you that it must be like Christmas. You know, you've got music playing, you've got snow out, even the weather's telling you it's meant to be Christmas outside. Yeah, yeah. my son's making Christmas cards. Yeah, you Christmas, well that's the, that's the ongoing dilemma, isn't it? Straight away, do I send Christmas cards? I never do. No, I'm, well I, I don't know, but I might send out Christmas cards but they're not Christmas cards. Cards just saying I'm not sending Christmas cards. <laughs> and being... <laughs> I, I stopped doing it oh God, about 10 years ago, actually. Yeah. That's a very it's wise not a very nice move. thing to... And I slowly stamped out the enthusiasm of everyone who sent me Christmas cards. Well, I think it's... it's very... It's one of those things, you know. I, I don't know. It's I'm no, ashamed of myself. Well, I'm ashamed of, of you and me, but, but equally I'm incredibly proud. Do you know the last person to continue sending me Christmas cards was the lovely Nicholas Courtney. Oh. I, used to, I used to get one from him every year, yeah, usually making a joke about Briggs Brigadier and the two Nicks, and, you know, usually that. Yeah, Lovely. I hope you've kept them. They're, they're, quite, they're definitely well, good like, Christmas cards they, to have. They must be somewhere... Although my wife is a big thrower outer. Anyway, sorry. Anyway, yeah, well, I suppose <laughs> this that... has got off to a really dull start, has it? Well, it's Christmas. We're allowed to be dull. But any road up. So perhaps we should introduce ourselves uh, for any uninitiated listeners. So we are Big Finish's Little Helpers. I'm mm. Benji Clifford. And I'm Nick Briggs. And along with everyone else at Big Finish, we are the proud purveyors of the finest audio drama and audiobooks known to all high brain beings. <laughs> yes, and we make audio thingies based on scrumptious stuff like Doctor Who, Blake Seven, Torchwood, Sherlock Holmes, Dark Shadows, The Avengers, Survivors, The Omega Factor, The Prisoner. Loads of blooming stuff, in fact, really. And you join us sitting in front of our virtual crackling log fire, enjoying a few chestnuts and other Christmassy food that's bound to give you a terrible stomachache for the first of three Christmas special podcasts. Musical accompaniment by Jamie Robertson from our Christmas special Sherlock Holmes adventure, The Fleet Street Transparency. Ah, he's a clever guy, that Jamie Robertson. He's a genius. He is a genius. I, I will say that here and now. He is a genius. And this week, we're beginning a festive break from our usual format of news, emails, and randomoid selectatron. Instead, we thought we'd offer you a delicious Yuletide soup swimming with juicy bits of loveliness. <laughs> that sounds slightly sinister, actually, doesn't it? does, it? doesn't it? Uh, yeah. Oh, mind you, here's a bit of Big Finish news that qualifies as juicy and lovely. Sylvester McCoy will be the headline guest at Big Finish Day 2018 at... The Quad in Derby on the 3rd of November 2018. Book your ticket now before they all run out. <laughs> they all that run was them running out. That was them yeah. off. That's anyway, uh, in last week's podcast, I promised some lovely interviews from podcasts past earlier in this year. But I've been lucky enough 
to get some great new interviews. So, as promised, we conclude our two-part extravaganza with writer, actor, comedian Rufus Hound, or the meddling monk, as Big Finish listeners will know him. Uh, that naughty little time lord who won't stop meddling with the timelines. Naughty boy! You naughty boy! Anyway, that could be a new, new catchphrase. You naughty boy! <laughs> anyway, yes, the second bit of that... He's a great guy, that Rufus Hound. Oh, Working great. on a project at the moment with him on it, playing the monk. And, yes. oh, he is just a joy to listen to. Such fun. I Amazing, found myself found myself editing it and smiling and then realising I'm smiling because I'm really enjoying it. So, He's yeah. about five times as loud as everyone else as well, isn't he? Well, that's the best way to be, I think, really. <laughs> if you're going to do it, do it properly. <laughs> Uh, yes, so we've got a rather special chat with stars of our recently announced series, Callan, Ben Miles and Frank Skinner. Uh, as you may have read on the BigFinish.com website, Callan was a spy series on ITV from 1967 to 1972. Grim, grimy and dark, packed full of great scripts and brilliant acting. And that was, indeed, my doorbell. Oh, it could be Callan, come back from 1972. What, what does it say on your phone display about who it is? Let's have a look, because I'm not on door opening duties at the moment, you see. Um, oh, that's all right. That's a relief. Is he waiting? Hold Benji on. Clifford, part-time doorman. Tell you what, I'm going to grab it because I think there's nobody answering. OK, well, I'll carry on. Uh, uh, we've been lucky enough to have series creator James Mitchell's son, Peter, write some superb scripts for us based on his father's Callan short stories. Uh, as I'm also in the series playing the head of section, it's called The Section, and the character's called Hunter, I took the opportunity to chat with Frank and Ben. Um, we'd had a fantastic time uh, working in the studio. Uh, Frank is a brilliant actor, actually, but he sort of always makes a lot about the fact that he isn't an actor, but he did a brilliant job. I was uh, strangely nervous. I was just saying, Benji, he's just putting his cans back on. I was just saying, Benji, I was strangely nervous playing Hunter because there I was acting with Ben Mars and, and Frank Skinner, you know, but uh, I... I uh, I don't know whether I said this in the previous podcast, but I thought, oh, I'm probably not um, old enough, really, to play Hunter. And then I realised that William Squire, who played the Hunter I particularly like, uh, was slightly younger than I am now. Really? Part. Yeah, but I think that was common, especially especially in TV at that time, that young young people often played older, older characters. Absolutely, that's so. what I'm going for. But anyway, I am... I am old enough. As Stephen Moffat said to me when I told him, just dropping a famous name there, he said, yep, you are that guy. <laughs> it's a cool series, though, definitely, if, if you've not heard of it before, because it's quite out there. Like, it's not... It's one of those ones... If you if you haven't seen it, because it's not on telly a lot, you sort of have to... No, I don't think it is at the moment. I don't think... Uh, you have to kind of scope out for it, but give it a go, because it is really good. It is definitely... Get the DVDs, or yes, you can buy it. it on iTunes as well, yeah. It's definitely worth a... Uh, worth. But also pre-order our series. Yeah, do that. In fact, yeah, don't watch anything prior, just watch ours. Listen to ours, and then watch the others. Basically, just prioritise ours. No, don't. <laughs> 
do. I don't know what I'm saying. Uh, but anyway, so let's uh, let's crack a lack on here. So that is coming up later, uh, along with a 15-minute tease of one of our best-loved sorts of Christmassy stories, The Chimes of Midnight, uh, just to get you in the Christmassy mood if you're not already. Uh, and don't forget that you can buy a download of the whole of Chimes for a mere 99 of the smallest units of your Earth currency, or actually you can get it on vinyl as well, I believe. Uh, okay, if, if, yes. you, if you not for 99p, obviously, but but that is a gorgeous. If you're looking for Christmas presents, that is certainly one to consider. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but talking of Christmas, then are you in a Christmassy mood, Nick? Yes, <laughs> that's my contractual. Yes, I am. This is my Christmassy mood. I'm going to. I mean, we're recording these uh, Christmas podcasts in advance because we're going to be. I mean, I won't be taking any time off, but I won't be where I normally am. I will still be working, but I will be elsewhere. So, uh, um, so uh, tomorrow I'm going to the screening of the Christmas special. Ooh, yeah. is that is that, yeah. is that down here? Because I know it's being shown it's places in London. Up, not, oh, that's okay. Of course, it's the it's screening. The press yeah. screening. Because yeah. I know they're doing the other screenings, aren't they? All in up north, I believe, or something. Well, I don't know what they're doing with those, but uh, the one, the press screening, apparently um, Frank Skinner was saying to me that, because uh, he's going to it, he said that Stephen Moffat's told him that they're not going to show the ending. They're good, not going to show good, it, yeah. good, good. So it'll end with the regeneration, but you won't see the new Doctor. So uh, That's exciting. That is very I'm, exciting. I'm mainly going because uh, the last time I saw Stephen, he said to me, oh, by the way, if they don't invite you to the screening, you know, I want you to come, so please let me know. And, of course, they haven't invited me. <laughs> <laughs> and so I had to do this sort of after... And I didn't know when it was. And, you know, Frank was mentioning it in the studio, and I thought, oh. So I contacted Stephen and just said, um, can you wangle it for me? And he went, yeah, you're on my guest list. So that was really nice. Oh, that's good. That's good. Because well, they mostly in, in, invite uh, people not involved with the show to the screenings. It's very strange. So it's weird how things like that work, isn't it? Yeah. But anyway, that would have happened uh, very nearly a week ago by the time you're listening to this podcast. Folks. So it's already happened. You've already seen it. Did you enjoy it? Yes. There we go. <laughs> there we I go. was in it. So, you know, I will have enjoyed that bit, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. I've seen bits of it because I went in to do some more dubbing. And so, yeah, and it all looks very, very good. Yeah. Are you in a Christmassy mood? Am I in a Christmassy mood? I, I, do you know what? I, for the first time in a long time, I'm feeling quite Christmassy. Because um, normally I'm a bit of a not, I'm not a Scrooge, you know. But I, I don't, I don't buy into the hype of Christmas. I, I find it, I find it kind of, it's all a bit imposed on you, and, and I get irritated because supermarkets are full of people and. And people put up their Christmas lights far too early. But you know what? This year is nice because I've moved house. So I'm in a new place, which is really exciting. It's all nice to make the the house all Christmassy. I'm dead chuffed as well because um, at Chicago Tardis, I was given these Christmas lights oh, yeah. uh, as, as a gift. By and Kurt Peck. By yes. Kurt Peck. And, and I'll tell you one thing. I'm not, I, I'm not one for Christmas lights, but when those went on, they're gorgeous. They're really nice lights. They're very Stranger Things, actually, because they're all all the different colours and they're big round. And I was just like, that got that instantly. I was like, no, I was like, I can do Christmas. I can do this. So yeah, That's I'm nice. feeling it. And it, it snowed yesterday, so it's not not. Oh, enough. I didn't hear. No. Well, it's it snowed 
enough to close the schools and then it stopped and then just melted and so we just it was just really noisy everywhere basically oh and that's you see you mentioned kids their schools yeah that's one reason to make me feel more Christmassy because my eight-year-old son of course is insanely excited I mean they're kids are only excited because they just want presents oh yeah but well, we're, that... g- we're going away for Christmas and Ben said what what about the presents? I said, we'll bring them with us. <laughs> that was always... I remember, actually, as a kid, that was my fear when, when parents suggested going away on holiday. Because I think, oh, we probably better bring some, but I won't be able to get them all over there. Well, Ben's going to get three Christmases anyway. You know, he's going to get the proper Christmas and he's going to get a Christmas with both of his grandmothers beforehand. So, you know. Oh, that'd be great. Steph's in charge of, you know, chief in charge of spoiling the child. Chief child spoiler and Christmas officer. (laughs) Anyway, before we delve back into the fascinating world of Rufus Hound, there's just some time to have a listen to the trailers for 2018's upcoming seventh series of Fourth Doctor Adventures, naturally starring Tom Baker. I would just like to mention, I spoke to Tom the other day on the phone. And uh, he was very amusing, and uh, he wanted uh, wanted my advice on something that I, I won't go into. <laughs> but he did laugh a lot at what I said, and then he said to me at the end, and I just thought, I'm so lucky. This is like I suppose like a big Christmas present to me. He said, uh, he said, well, Nick, if you want to know anything about anything, you must always phone me. Goodbye. Lots of love to you, my darling. <laughs> Anyway, uh, here are the trailers. It's all right. You're safe here. Just calm down. What is this place? What do you mean? If you could just... Coming soon from Big Finish Productions. Doctor Who, The Fourth Doctor Adventures. The Crowmarsh Experiment. Mm -hmm. Can you hear me? What? Where am I? You're in room C5. I... I know you. Leela, you remember Mr. Strang from the Ministry? He is familiar. (coughs) Leela? As I'm sure you'll appreciate, the Ministry of Defence has put a lot of time, effort and, above all, money into Project Sisyphus. Perhaps it will Sisyphus is your project. The final responsibility rests with you and Dr. Stewart. Is that clear? None of this is clear. You're joking me! Get me out of here! Let me go! If we stay here, we will both die! What are you, metal monster? Leela? Where are we? You know where we are. No, I do not. Look around you. What do you see now? Uh, White walls, a blue floor. And who am I? You are the doctor. Which doctor? Just the doctor. No, I really think you should stay. Security, she's still very dazed. I may need some help. <laughs> Remarkable. Good work, Dr. Stewart. We have a lot riding on top of us. The Prime Minister expects results. Big finish. We love stories. Where are you taking me? Dr. Holman thought it might be good for you to see a familiar face. Hiya, love. Oh, oh, so sorry, young man. Should he be that close to the edge of the platform? No. Quick! Hey! Careful. Stop! What is it? You've gone white. What happened? Doran's dead! 
coming soon from Big Finish Productions. Doctor Who, The Fourth Doctor Adventures, The Mind Runners. He was a mind runner. A mind runner? What's a mind runner? Once they put this headgear on, hitch a lift in somebody else's head. Well, any sign? Shh, I'm concentrating. There, I've got him. They possess them. I have experienced that. It is not good. Mr. Eldra. I'm so sorry. Why, you startled me. Yes. I often have that effect on people. What happened to Mr. Eldrum was a pop. Resolve. The rocket will be finished on schedule. And the evacuation will happen completely as planned. That man said evacuation. I do not think that is a good word. Are you sure they're suicides? We've lost half a dozen in the last week. All mind runners. Uh, hanging themselves. Shooting themselves. Uh, I see. Still think I'm paranoid? Friend or foe? What are you doing? You idiot! There you have it. More very exciting adventures for the fourth Doctor, Leela and K-9. And uh, how about this one for the February 2018 release, which you mentioned earlier, starring Peter Davison and the, the gang in uh, G- Ghost Walk. Indeed, I don't know why I couldn't say it. I was, I was too scared. Ghost Walk. Ghost Walk. Shaggy, it's a ghost. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions. Doctor Who. Ghost Walk. Now, everyone, I would ask you to be brave. We're going to venture into the catacombs, sealed underneath the city since the 17th century. When the catacombs were uncovered, this chamber was found. It had been put to sinister purpose. (laughs) We can only guess that something was worshipped down here, something evil. It wants me to be afraid. It's like a hand stroking my spine. You can sense the energy on me, can't you? Because I've traveled in time. Do you by any chance believe in ghosts? Big Finish. We love stories. Oh, very spooky. Ghost Walk, written by James Goss and directed by Barnaby Edwards. Excellent. Beautiful work on the trailer there, mate. Oh, thank you very much. Well, I didn't do the sound design, but I did the music, and I I very much enjoyed doing the music. It's one of those... uh, Whenever I have a project, like a, a music project, Nick knows this because I've told him before, mm. I always like to buy new new sounds for it. So this one is is of n- is no different. I, I went in, I thought, now I'm going to get some good sinister sounding bits and bobs and spooky choirs and all that jazz. Sounded great. That's good fun. Thank you very much, good sir. Mm, and uh, I'm looking forward to cracking on with that one, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, Time now to rejoin Rufus Hound for the second and final part of his chat with me. Last time he waxed lyrical about Big Finish. I mean, really, it was lovely. (laughs) And, And what we stand for. So now we get on to what's tingling his molecules about entertainment generally. 
broader strokes, I suppose, the thing that's tingling my molecules is that we're entering a new phase of consumption. Um, I, I just read a book called I Hate the Internet. And uh, it's a fantastic book. I would urge anyone to read it. But one of the points it makes quite early on, and, and a more knowing meta book you would never... I mean, you would struggle to find. But one of the points it makes early on is that the internet has changed everything. So why isn't everything about how the internet has changed everything? Because actually, when you read most books and you watch TV shows... It's like, oh, well, then, you know, the internet, whatever. But really, these people are racing against time to find a spy and this, that and the other. And No, but that, the internet changed all of that. You wouldn't do it like that anymore. You don't need people racing around in cars. That's not how it works. Um, now, what the internet has done is complicate stories. Why do uh, action hero cell phones always not work? Why are they always out of battery? Why can't they get a signal? Well, it's because fundamentally in this day, make a phone call, done, move on to the next one. There has to be, for those tropes to work, an inability to be outside of this immediate situation where action, where definitive action must be taken. It's like the transporter breaking down on Star Trek, isn't it? Yeah, yes. yeah, quite, yeah. Yeah, or, you know, far be it for me to say, but, you know, in who, like... The TARDIS is sentient, right? Yeah. <laughs> so why doesn't it just turn up and get everyone out of there? Come on. <laughs> I mean, that that most of the time would solve this problem. But let's pretend that that's not how it works, because otherwise <laughs> all of these stories are basically 15 minutes long, and then, yes. you know, the Doctor and whichever companion just sitting around drinking tea, twiddling their thumbs. Um, you have to have reasons why those things don't work, otherwise the stories don't work, and, and that's fine. However, in the same way that I hate the internet says, why aren't all stories about the internet? What it seems to me that um, narrative entertainment is now beginning to come to grips with is the way people are going to watch this show isn't the way that people have watched shows. They are going to watch four or five episodes in a, in a go. They're all going to go up at the same time. There isn't going to be this people wandering around in a bubble thinking about your TV show. Even the stuff that is going up weekly, uh, like uh, Discovery, uh, you know, which I've just started watching. There's on Netflix, the CBS show that discusses it is on. It it streams automatically as the episode finishes. Um, There are going to be. 30 podcasts of people discussing this. There are going to be internet forums. There's going to be whole channels on YouTube given to dissecting frame by frame by frame what's going on. That is now the world in which you are making your show. So how does your show produce an experience that rewards either fan investment in your show or goes out of its way to remove as much as possible or as much as much material as possible from getting anywhere near explaining what your show is doing Mm. and so anthology shows i think are working brilliantly uh inside number nine has been one of my absolute favorite things of the last 10 years they they know that people are looking for the twist 
So they are going out of their way to obscure what that twist is going to be. So just for that half hour, you are asking all of those questions. Uh, Rick and Morty uh, has sort of introduced some narrative arc business, but the ideas are there. Uh, one, I, I can't, I'm terrible remembering the names of things, but there's a Rick and Morty episode that is um, the devil is making cursed artifacts. And in any other show, the payoff would be, <gasps> you were the devil all along. The artifact was cursed. Rick works out that is what is going on in the first 15 seconds of meeting the devil, calls him on it and opens up a, a store over the road from the devil's antique emporium in which he is removing the curses from these items so these items are genuinely as good as the devil sold them to you in the first place. And then it deals with the kind of moral ambiguity of those things. So the th to a very long way around of answering this question is the thing that's turning me on is that creators are now aware that they live in a, in a world where the audience is way further ahead of you than previously they have been, been given credit for being. And they are adjusting the material accordingly so that as a fan, as a viewer, when you watch those shows, you are still having a rewarding experience as opposed to just sitting there going, oh, it's that trope. Oh, it's yeah, that trope. Yeah. Oh, it's that. Um, so basically ending by Dan Harmon, um, inside number nine, uh, Andy Nyman and Jeremy Dyson have, have just turned their ghost stories into a movie. I haven't seen it yet, but I can't wait. Uh, Black Mirror, uh, Electric Dreams, um, Game of Thrones, you know, it, it, they they created so many characters and so many possible outcomes um, that even though you think, oh, it's that trope, it's that trope, it's that trope, the trope is these are our heroes and they can't die. <laughs> so then you kill them halfway through an episode. Yeah, well, but that, 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 that so that feeling of being brought back to, oh, I don't know what's going on and I am uh, turned on by this story is just. I will I will watch fantasy, I will watch science fiction, I will watch a crime drama, I will watch any of those things as long as the experience of watching it doesn't make me feel, uh, yeah, I know what's coming. Which is why I stopped watching soap operas. Because I was like, right, I've got it now. I've spent my teenage years watching these. I have to fall in love with these two, have a tricky relationship getting together, but then true love well out and they get married. Mm. Within a year, they'll both be having an affair because they have to, because otherwise these characters are redundant. They have no play, you know... No, it just, it will always undo. So, yeah, it, it's those things. Surprise me, and I will love you for it. Uh, plans for the future? Keep working. <laughs> Keep <laughs> be, working! Be offered work, receive money, therefore. Um, Anything immediately that you can tease us with that you'll, you will be up to soon? Nothing kind of meaty. Um, I'm, I'm doing a, a lot of kind of, voice work at the moment um having done theater i mean theater just takes your life and puts it in a bin and then lets you out at the end of the contract and as somebody with two small children and a wife mm. 
and I would like to stay the father of two small children. I would like to still be married to a fairly amazing woman. <laughs> you you can't just kind of plough straight back into the next theatre gig, but that fundamentally is the most rewarding thing that I do. You know, coming from... Well, coming from childhood, where your ability to show off is all school plays, then doing stand-up where it's all people in a room responding to the thing you're doing, then being given the chance to act, then being given the chance to act in theatre. It's about people in a room. These, This whole screen business is not good for us. And we are addicted to it, and there are companies going out of their way to make sure we stay addicted to our screens. This is not a lie. This isn't hyperbole. All of those notifications, the movements you make with your thumb, mm-hmm. they have been designed to make you do a physical thing and elicit a reward response in the same way that uh, when a gorilla presses a button and a banana drops down, the gorilla knows press the button. We have been trained with reward responses. We are spending all that time looking at our screens. And what we have lost is a genuine human experience um, about being in the world and with one another. And this idea that we have become increasingly less happy with the world around us, with people, and want to retreat ever further into our own immediate, this is the thing I like and this is the thing I'm going to get, is going to have enormous ramifications for democracy and society at large. We have seen it already with Brexit. We're seeing it already in America. We will see it across the Western world, the rise of the right wing in Germany, uh, the rise of the right wing across all civilised countries where screens have become the thing. Um, Our only way out of that is to reconnect with one another, to enjoy experiences as being transient and throwaway that aren't kept forever when you go to a show a concert don't film the whole thing on your phone because now what you're doing is you are looking at this experience through the screen and wondering whether the screen is getting the thing that the screen needs Mm. put that away because actually the reason you're there is to share the transient nature of this experience with other people and the screen will take you out of that experience. And theatre, so far at least, remains one of the last bastions where you put that thing away and as such engage with humans telling humans a story. It will always be, I think, the thing that I believe in most and love the most. Not always enjoy the most because it's hard. And dopey TV shows, I love them. Uh, quizzes, I love them. Will I work on those in the future? Yes, I will. But they should be part of a balanced diet, and that balance currently is out of whack. And I should point out for myself, <laughs> as much as for everyone else. Yeah, you know, I am the man who wakes up and immediately looks at the phone and checks Twitter. Mm. Well, but we I, all do. We all do. Yeah, that's but I am. But I agree with you completely. Yes, I am reaching the point where I, as I'm doing it, I'm like, you know, you're being this is a terrible life choice that you're making so i'm trying to work out how to quit that in the same way that somebody might be trying to quit heroin yeah but they they get cleverer and cleverer at pushing it to you because it makes money yes oh that's yes why, that's it, isn't it? oh that's why anything happens in the world isn't it because it makes money yeah yeah, yeah. 
Well, and that's yeah. bizarrely the joy of playing the monk. Mm-hmm. It, it, you know, his his nuance isn't I want global domination. I want everyone to know that I am their overlord. It is why do I care what good or bad it does to people? I want to be personally enriched by it, mm-hmm. and that feels like that philosophy is genuinely the evil in the world far more than it is you know people trying to enslave whole galaxies thank you what a tremendous and fascinating fellow he's one of those people who's genuinely invigorating to have in the room and his enthusiasm for our work at Big Finish was so inspiring and deeply flattering really Rufus Hound We love him. We do. So now, uh, off we go to the sound. I wish that we could do this properly, like me jumping into a helicopter. You know (laughs) what they do in those programs. And now, off we go to Soundhouse Studios in London to hear what Nick Nick, Frank Skinner and Ben Miles have got up to just after they've released the recording of the first four-hour episodes of our brand-new upcoming series, Callum. Benji, Benji, come in. He's gone. Always have to ham, ham up the death scene there, even, even though I'm literally in a million different pieces. Don't worry, he's regenerating. Yes, yes, into into a a bottle of Lucasade. Um, I was going to say Tizer. Yeah, I wouldn't mind that. You don't get ties yeah. anymore, do you? No, really. it's a nice retro uh, reference there. Anyway, sorry, here's the uh, Frank and Ben interview. So, Frank Skinner, here you are back at Big Finish with Ken Bentley in the background having a drink. Yes. That's how I like to work, always. Yeah, definitely, with Ken Bentley in the background. Um, and just, can you... Tell the listeners. Goodbye, Ken. Uh, oh, that wasn't me creaking. That was the scenery. That's okay. I wouldn't hold that against you. <laughs> the, what have you been doing here today as though I didn't know? I've been uh, playing the part of Lonely in the new Big Finish production of Callan, the extremely popular um, 60s, 70s, what would you call it? A spy show? A thriller? Yeah, spy, all of those things, yes, I would yes. say. Yeah. And um, how did this come about? Well, um, I had a phone call from Nick Briggs <laughs> about, oh, what's it been? Probably quite a while back, wow, saying we might, have, we might have the rights for Callan. Would you be interested in playing Lonely? And I hadn't, I hadn't gone back and revisited Callan or any of that, but I remember it, what, I remember it as being massive when I was a kid. Uh, and also, I remember the lonely character. I remembered that Mr. Kellen thing he used to say, and the fact that he had sort of um, body odor that, that doesn't have any kind of ramp. It goes from, yeah, it goes from naught to sixty in five seconds, uh, which happens whenever he's uh, under pressure. So I've tried to reproduce that in audio form. Nice. Well, I've you know. I've been in it. I thought it sounded good. Not, I haven't been in the body odor. No, like a sort of miasma. <laughs> no, you don't want your body odor to sound good. <laughs> That's the worst kind. <laughs> I can hear it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, there are several typical podcast 
questions I asked, and I asked you them last time. I just want to see whether any of them have changed the answers. Okay. Hello, Ben. Here is Cowan. That's Ben Miles coming in. Um, uh, When did we meet? I think we met at the BFI at one of those um, in the anniversary year. Um, I don't think we did, but it's did an we interesting not? story. Carry oh, on. I thought that's when we met. When that's did we really, meet, Nick? I think it was the Five-ish Doctors. Oh, yes, it was the Five-ish Doctors, yes. And you actually said to me the main reason I agreed to do this was to meet you, which I thought you were joking about. No, well, I am a, I am a, a, a massive fan of Big Finish. I, I'd go as far as to say I love Big Finish. I oh. think certainly Doctor Who fans, I think it, it, it is like that. I think they have an emotional attachment to Big Finish. I feel, let's say everything went wrong with Doctor Who and the BBC um, withdrew it again. I know I can trust you guys to, to keep it going. Uh, and so, so, yeah, so I think I said to you, something I don't normally do, um, I said, can you just give me a job? On, on, and you gave me a tiny part in, uh, in Dark Eyes 2 with uh, Paul McGann. But I mean, I was very excited to work with the number eight, certainly. Brilliant. Uh, And what is tingling your molecules about Big Finish at the moment? Well, um, I'm a subscriber to to Big Finish. So it is the main range, Doctor Who, um, five, six and seven, which is what I'm listening to. which I, you know, they arrive, I get the CD. I'm a traditionalist. I listen to the CD in the car. And um, you've still got a CD player. I've still got a CD player in the car. Yeah, it's a Model T Ford. That's David Richardson's coming in with Ben Miles's coffee. Tea. Oh, tea. Thank, Thank you, tea. David. Thank Sorry, you so Frank, much. You no, no, it's all right. He's the boss. I'll pay you later. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, it's you know I I love it. I love um, groups of dissidents living on car parks in outer space, uh-huh, yeah, yeah. and the Fifth Doctor becoming the president of Gallifrey and even a I think a slight love affair for Adric quite recently as well sort of a bit of a a bit of a sizzle with uh, so yeah I it's it's brilliant I find it incredibly enjoyable and I'm so glad that those doctors are still those doctors I'm I'm I don't want it to stop because television has decided uh, it's going to yeah they are incredible What's tingling your molecules generally in entertainment? A snapshot of what you're enjoying at the moment. Um, in entertainment, it's a, a tricky one because apart from Doctor Who and DVDs of classic Doctor Who, I don't, I don't watch that much on the telly, really. What about books or cinema? Or? I'll tell you what I've become obsessed with, um, Anglo-Saxon history. Is that classed as entertainment? Can be. <laughs> um, I started listening to a podcast called The History of England, done by a guy in his shed called David Crowther. And I hadn't really thought that much about the Anglo-Saxons. You know, it's that period from like the Romans leaving Britain to um, 1066. And for some reason, it absolutely floated my boat, um, my Viking boat in some cases. And... Ever since then, I've just become... Uh, I read I read Anglo-Saxon history. I went back to the beginning of that podcast and listened to all the Anglo-Saxon episodes again. I bought a £450 um, coin 
um, with Ethelred II on it, just so I could sort of have something Anglo-Saxon in my hand. Why has it set you afire? I don't know. It's hard to tell what you you know what passions what what suddenly sets you off. Um, but yeah, uh, that's what, that's what I'm doing at the moment. I'm, I arrived here this morning listening to a uh, an audio book about Anglo-Saxon history. But in the car, it's Big Finish. Okay, that's good. We should do... Uh, have we done a Big Finish about the Anglo-Saxons? We probably haven't, have we? I can't think of one off the top of my head. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but did, know. What's Lady of Mercia? Is that... Oh, a, yeah, yeah, about yeah. Athelflaed yeah, was the Lady of Mercia. Yeah, well, we did that with the Fifth Doctor and Tegan. Oh, I missed that one. That that wasn't one of the uh, subscription main yeah, range it ones. It must have been before my time. Before you subscribed. Hmm, okay. Um, now, listen. Christmas is coming up, of course. Hmm. What are your plans for Christmas? Anything exciting? Well, I um, I have a five-year-old, and so Christmas is absolutely classy. Loads of toys, yeah. and I go to. Um, I go to get his toys all in one day and my partner always says to me, I'm going to remove the swear words from what she says to me, but she says, <laughs> don't go all Elton John is what she always says to me. In other words, don't buy him loads and loads of presents. But my manager, I remember once phoned me when I was in Toys R Us and I said, I'm trying to be, you know, go easy because I've been warned about getting too many. He said, just buy everything you like. He said, my kids are growing up now and every time I walk past the toy shop, I feel a pang of pain in my stomach that I can't go in and get toys anymore. So I make the most of it. So I'm probably creating a monster, but um, I do like buying toys again. And I have obviously been squeezing in the odd Doctor Who thing. So he's got he's got an up-to-date... Well, I say up-to-date, he's got the, uh, the 12 Doctors Sonic... And um, he's got an 11th Doctor, Mr. Potato, and he's got all the Mr. Men books with the Doctors on. And he's got a Dalit that you press and it says exterminate. Is it, would it be your voice on the... Could, uh, could be, yeah. How lovely yeah. to think that you're in my house um, <laughs> in some sort of s- tiny soft furnishing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is definitely me. Yeah. Oh, nice. Well, that's good. I mean, we should talk to Ben, really. Yeah, ben, Ben's the boss, ben after all. Mars, you're here playing Callan. Yes, I am. Yeah. yeah, just finished playing Callan, actually. How did that happen for you? How did you get to be Callan for Big Finish? I think I lost a bet somewhere along yeah. the line. <laughs> Here I am. <laughs> I uh, I did a thing. I did the time machine uh, about a year ago for Big Finish, and um, David came up to me afterwards and said, Are you, "Have you ever heard of Callan of the of the series Callan?" I said, "Yeah." Funnily enough. I read an abridged version of a Callan novel for Radio 3, I think it was, about oh, 10 years ago, and really enjoyed it. I'd never sort of come across him before, even having, even though I had sort of vague memories of the, of the TV series as a, as a very young boy. Um, and I really enjoyed it. It was like a sort of street Ian Fleming sort of thing, mm. a bit sort of edgier than than James Bond and it was great fun so when when you guys at Big Finish mentioned doing Callan I was like yeah god yeah of course I'd love to brilliant and then a year later here we are with four fantastic scripts and um, it's just been a joy to do it's been really great fun they're great stories you two have worked well together I thought 
Yeah, I um, I was saying we're, we're a sort of the uh, the slightly butcher version of Lady Penelope and Parker, but it it, it has been. I tell you what, I think I realised how much I'd got into it in uh, this afternoon. There's a bit where um, where Ben is sort of defending me to someone else. And uh, I was quite moved by it that he was sticking up for me. <laughs> it's not real. No, right. I know. It's only fiction. I know it's not real, but you know, yeah. willing suspension of disbelief, etc. <laughs> now, the next uh, podcast question is always, uh, "When did you meet me?" But that was like on Monday. That was Monday. That feels like a longer time yeah. ago than that. There's mm. no anecdote associated with that, really, is there? I don't think so. No. Um, yeah, no, it was out there having a cup of tea. It was just kind of as straightforward as that. I wish I could say we met That's at Cannes in here. 1973. And, but at least, you know, at least we remember. I didn't remember when I met Nick. I'd actually <laughs> been in the same show as him, and that had completely passed me by. So that, that's a bit bad. I'm sure we did meet at those BFI Doctor Who anniversary <clears> things, though. I think you were at one that I was at, but we didn't. You were. It was an eighth Doctor one or something, and I think you were in the audience and I was on stage. Yeah, that's Because you that went to all right. of them. That's right. And afterwards, someone said that you were in the audience. I thought, oh, Skinner was here. I didn't know, I think. Uh, that's okay. what it was. Something like that. Anyway. Yes. So it was like meeting, obviously. Yes. <laughs> Geographically. Yeah. Mm. We were in the same room. Um, so, Ben, what's tingling your molecules about Big Finish at the moment? Uh, the cakes are really good. <laughs> the... Uh, the uh, the tea's really good. It's just working here with them. It's it's quite new to me this big finish business. I don't listen to much audio or many podcasts. My wife is a great podcast listener, and my son, my eldest son, they're always listening to uh, political podcasts, and they're very grown up conversations are, are from which I feel a little excluded, <laughs> and I end up feeling rather dim. Um, but big finish is just a fantastic way to um, record drama and to consume it as far as I'm concerned from now on I'm definitely I might even subscribe do you get like employees discount do you think I don't but um, workers rates anyway yeah there might be something I haven't been told about yeah yeah. Oh, it's I've really given funny. you the odd free oh that is true yeah. yes yes I, I thank you for. oh that. yeah <laughs> I'm getting sent the CD actually are you we probably give oh you it's time. coming out now <laughs> <laughs> I'm not being sent a CD I'll see what I can do, Frank. I'll have a word. Actually, I think I think David said that he send me the David Tennant box set. I mean, you uh, might have I forgot. Yes. So maybe oh, you could r- could you just um, cut right. this bit out and play it back to me? Yeah, <laughs> you promised. If you could uh, get hold of his phone and make it the ringtone, <laughs> <laughs> just as an aide de memoir. <laughs> uh, what's tingling your molecules, Ben? About entertainment in general anything you're enjoying anything at all well Frank funny enough you were talking about Anglo-Saxon stuff and buying that coin mm. um, the best thing around for me at the moment is Detectorists even series three is it they're on now I think it's fantastic it's on BBC two is it BBC four BBC four yeah right okay um, uh, Mackenzie Crook has written and directed it um, it's just comedy about Metal detectorists. You think really? Is that funny? Is that interesting? But actually, it is. It's you know what? It's brilliant. It's brilliant, and also it sort of celebrates those people who are often dismissed by the sort of in crowd 
that bloke in the corner of the pub who's interested in Anglo-Saxon East about me, <laughs> basically. Well, yeah. like Doctor Who fans. Yes, all Doctor Who fans. Yeah, but it, so Exactly, because I think they're probably put into the same Venn diagram as the sort of slight sadder. Yeah. But in fact, they're often the brightest and, uh, and also the kindest. Yes. And it, but it's funny. It's really, it's really funny, funny. detectorist. It's very touching as well. And I was watching it only yesterday, I think. And it's kind of, it taps into a lot of things too, like environmentalism and the loss of the countryside and people yearning for stuff they can't see but actually might be right under their noses. And it works on loads of levels. I thoroughly recommend it. Hmm. Well, I personally will take that recommendation too. Um, yeah. And what about Christmas? What are you up to? What do you do uh, generally at Christmas? Christmas. We're having Christmas early this year. We're doing it on the 23rd. We've like having an express Christmas because of various family reasons. <laughs> yeah, just to up the panic a bit more. We're having it two days earlier than uh-huh. usual. Um, there's about 14 of us, I think, at our place. Uh, I'm starting to slightly sweat even thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, we will have a big old lunch on the 23rd and then 24th oh no there's another party on the 24th and then 25th nothing really just a rest just pajamas takeaway films what sort of takeaway probably Chinese okay how do you get a takeaway on Christmas day well it's difficult actually do you get it the night before yeah Yeah. you do you have to buy early get in early it's all planned Doctor Who Christmas special of course Christmas day really yeah. Mm. Okay. Who, which doctor is that? You can tell them. Well, that's a very good question because it, it's, ah, is it's, it the great change? It's the twelfth doctor, and it's the first doctor, and also it's the thirteenth doctor. I see. So there's three doctors. <laughs> there yeah. is. Well, there's at least three. I don't know. There might be. A, if there's another regeneration, there could be a Patrick Troughton in there somewhere. I, I haven't got the inside information, but it's oh. going to be a Doctor Fest. That's Christmas Day. It's Christmas Day, but I am going to the preview at the Science Museum on the 13th. Are you going to that, Nick? Well, do you know... Um, you haven't been invited. I'm sorry I brought no, it up. No, Stephen Oops. Moffat said to me, <coughs> uh, do let me know if you're invited, because you are, and they they probably won't invite you. So I, I, now I know it's on the 13th, I might have a word. Science Museum as well. I mean, it's... Yeah, uh, yeah. it's great. Because like also time. I'll be away at Christmas and may not see it on Christmas Day. But I spoke Are to Stephen. Are they going to show the ending? No, well, that was... Um, so, Stephen, Stephen Moffat, um, we just recorded a, a series of Room 101 and Stephen Moffat was one of the guests. Oh, yes. How did he do? He was great. He, he was, was gr- He was absolutely uh, terrified about doing it the night No, he before. was great. Because he's a very funny bloke, but yeah. also he, he's, he does that sort of grumpy Scots bloke very well. <laughs> yeah. Indeed, he is a grumpy Scot. <laughs> I, I I emailed him a thank you and said he'd sort of it was a, a he was part Richard Wilson in One Foot in the Grave and part John Laurie in uh, Dad's Army, so he's got that about him. But it does work. It's it's funny. But he said to me, "You're going on the 13th," and I said, "Yeah." He said, "You know that um, we're not going to show uh, Jody's bit." So that's frustrating. So obviously, you want to see the new Doctor right at the end. Yeah. But um, they're they're holding it back till Christmas Day. Oh well, you'll be all right with your takeaway. Yeah, I watched. So that's next week, isn't it? Um, I don't know when this goes out. Yeah, Yeah. so it will have happened. 
probably. Okay. Yeah. Well, I loved and what, it. What, what, <laughs> and I don't know whether I'll have gone or not. I'll tell you an interesting Christmas thing that has already happened to me. I went to the opening night of Christmas Carol at the Old Vic. Oh, oh yeah. With Risa Fans, is it? Well, yeah. Yeah. And um, I went with my... Uh, well, several of the family, including my brother-in-law, who um, wrote the adaptation. Oh, wow. And he, you know when you can get, at some theatres, you can get the, the book with the script in it. Mm-hmm. So he got one of those for me and said, yeah, uh, 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 is this for you? And I said, oh, thanks. And I thought, well, that's nice. He didn't get anyone else one. A bit awkward, but nice of him. And then he said, open it up, and it says, for Frank, on the first thing. So he's dedicated it wow, to me, which I was so... Chuffed about that's really lovely. So I met Reese fans after he was brilliant as Scrooge, but I spent ten seconds telling him he was brilliant, and then just showed him my dedication <laughs> in the script. <laughs> what well, I've got <laughs> exactly, yeah. So that was a lovely start to the Yuletide wow. season. That Beautiful. is a classic start. Yes, I'm sorry I missed that. I was going to. Yeah, any that. Uh, plays dedicated to you, Ben, at all? No, no, no dedication. No, I thought yet. not. You, Nick. That's a goal. That's a New Year's resolution. Feel bit dedicated. Insignificant now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks for coming in and and, and have a lovely Christmas. Thank you so much. Thank you, Nick. You too. And a Merry Christmas to all our listeners. Mm. I was hoping for a sort of hearty... Oh, okay. Yes. Um, (laughs) Merry Christmas, everybody. As I think Noddy Holder said, uh, much louder than that. (laughs) (laughs) But in a similar accent. Uh, that is yeah. true. Yeah, it's close. Merry Christmas. Yeah, from this side of the microphone. <laughs> yeah, this side of the velvet rope. <laughs> yes. <laughs> from the undedicated. Thank you. And there you have it. Coming up in a moment, a real thoroughly nostalgic trip down memory lane. Well, that's what nostalgia's all about, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, the Chimes of Midnight, a thoroughly Christmassy Doctor Who story by my dear, dear friend Robert Sherman, who I sort of think is Santa Claus. Definitely. I mean, I, I remember at the Christmas party where he was dressed as Father Christmas. And it was just, I'm sure we got a picture of him reading Doctor Who magazine somewhere. He certainly had. Oh. I don't think he's actually, he just put a hat on. That's all he did. He didn't have a costume on. But it was And he perfect. immediately did the Father Christmas face. Like, ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, we got on about Chimes of Midnight millions of times. It is brilliant. Uh, before that, let's just let you know what's coming up in the next two Christmassy Yuletide festive thingamy holiday podcast ruse. <laughs> On Christmas Day itself, we'll be presenting a fantastic, unmissable lineup. Georgia Tennant will be chatting to Nick about Jenny, the Doctor's daughter, and other stuff, including the warmth and fuzziness of Nick himself. You are very warm. <laughs> you are very warm and fuzzy. <laughs> Sounds like I'm sort of out of focus, doesn't it? Uh, <laughs> uh, then we'll dive into the archives to remember our much-missed friend and colleague, the late great Trevor Baxter, who sadly died this year. He was, of course, Professor Lightfoot of Jago and Lightfoot fame, and we'll be replaying playing the final interview he did with me and he was truly on fine form then there'll be more from the archives and how appropriate as it will be nick's interview with the new first doctor david bradley should get you in mood for not only the doctor who christmas special twice upon a time but also our first doctor adventures and we'll be giving you an extended tease of those with clips galore 
After that, we'll be rounding things off with a 15-minute tease of the extremely Christmassy Eighth Doctor and Lucy adventure, Relative Dimensions. Have you ever heard that one? I've not, no. It's I don't really believe I have. Favorite. Oh, it's fantastic. You must listen to it. Um, it uh, I'd love to give away its uh, provisional title, which was uh, The Fish That Stole Christmas. Oh, why didn't you call it that? That sounds much better. Well, because I just thought it was too frivolous. I wanted it to have a title that was more Doctor Who-y. And it is about relations and relatives. So and it's set yeah. in the TARDIS. So I thought relative, dimen- relative dimension. That is a clever a, play on words, actually. I like. Well, I thought so. And I am, as many writers will tell you, the title Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit of a harsh title, but I very much have a thing about titles. But yeah, um, I, I hope that inspires people to listen to that story again because it is one of my—it's one of my all-time favourites. Mm. And remember, there'll be even more delightful goodies coming up in the New Year's Day podcast, which will feature a brand new interview with Kate Stewart herself, Gemma Redgrave. Great stuff. Yeah, oh, she was great. Actually, it's a very funny interview. Uh, so now. From Big Finish, the Eighth Doctor and Charlie are about to embark upon their next adventure, The Chimes of Midnight, by good old Rob Shearman. It's too dark. What? I said it's too dark. I can't see a thing. Oh, you're right. It is very dark. Oh, how exciting. I do love the dark, don't you? <laughs> well, within reason. But I think you can have too much of a good thing. Oh, it all just enhances the mystery, the sheer anticipation of not yet having a clue where we are. You really haven't got a clue? The console isn't telling me anything at all. Just a blank readout. Oh, that sounds ominous. No, not at all. I've been too methodical recently, I think, setting coordinates and things, actually deciding where we want to go. I've been getting far too safe and predictable these last few incarnations. Do you know, I once travelled for centuries without ever knowing where I'd materialise next. (laughs) Yes, I can believe that. However, you were supposed to be getting me to Singapore, you know. 1930, remember? Yes, well, the 
TARDIS seems to be avoiding that precise location or time just now. We'll get there later, Charlie. I thought it was time we put a bit more mystery in our lives. Let the TARDIS take us where she wants, and let us revel in the giddy thrill of our ignorance. And she's brought us somewhere dark. Hmm. Mind you, it really is very dark, isn't it? Yes. Yes. We can't see a thing, can we? No. No. Quite how the TARDIS expects us to enjoy a good mystery when we can't see a thing is beyond me. Oh, hang on, I'll go and find some torches. Pretty sure I have them in a box somewhere. Try to investigate a little further, Charlie. Find out where we've landed this time. How do I do that? I can't even see my hand in front of my face. Sight is just one of your five senses. What did the others tell you? Well, I can't hear anything. No? Nothing at all. Well, even that might be a clue. We've landed somewhere silent. Not a very interesting clue, though. No, fair enough. How about smell? It's a bit musty. But I think I can smell fruit. Really? Yes. It is fruit. Oranges. Lemons. I can distinctly smell lemons. Silent and fruity. Sounds enchanting. There's one touch. Now, where's the other? And touch. Be careful, Charlie. Oh, there's a wall on my left and on my right. No, I can feel something. Another wall. Oh! Charlie! Charlie! Are you all right? Yes, I think so. Wait, wait, wait. Let me turn the torch on. Oh, I'm so sorry, Charlie. That was stupid of me. Oh, Charlie. What is it? Is that blood? I think so. But there's so much of it. How can there be so much of it? Don't move, Charlie. You may have severed an artery. Let me look. I don't feel anything, Doctor. No pain at all. Shock, I expect. Oh, if only it wasn't so dark. Oh. What is it? I think you can relax, Charlie. But the blood! Hmm. It's jam. Raspberry jam, if I'm not mistaken. Rather nice, in fact. <sighs> I must have knocked a jar of it onto the floor. Hmm. We're in a larder. And a fairly well-stocked larder, too. Why are they so well-stocked? Famine, maybe? Or just a public holiday? Nice, strong shelves. Now, a larder this size and of this quality would suggest a reasonably large house. The food isn't that expensive, so probably upper-middle class or lower-upper class. There's not much canned food, just the odd tin of cocoa and condensed milk. Oh, I love condensed milk. What's this? Custard. Ugh. Good old custard, no less. Manufactured in Leeds, which, if I remember rightly, and I always do, was sold at its peak in the opening days of the 20th century. The quality of the cans and the amount of fresh food here would probably put us somewhere between the death of Queen Victoria and the beginning of the Great War. Show off. Or not. I mean, I'm only guessing. We could just leave the larder and take a look around. Yes, well, that might be simpler. Come on. Mind the jam. Glory to the newborn king. Peace on... God and singers reconciled. It's sinners, Edith. Not singers. Oh, Mr. Shaughnessy. Mind you, with singing as bad as that, I'm sure God would find reconciling himself with sinners by far the lesser sacrifice. I'm sorry, sir. I didn't hear you come in. I should think you didn't, Edith. Not with all that racket. What is it in aid of? I'm sorry, Mr. Shaughnessy. It's just it's Christmas, isn't it? I always love a bit of Christmas, me. Whatever the reason, it hardly explains or excuses your caterwauling. I'm sorry, sir. I wouldn't be surprised if his lordship himself could hear it upstairs. We can be thankful at least that you weren't a saying silent night. 
The irony would have been too much to bear. Well, I only know Hark the Herald Angels Sing, and I hum the bits where I don't know the words. I do understand your excitement at the approach of Yuletide, Edith, but look how your work is suffering. Quite how you expect to clean pots and pans in a scullery as dirty as this, I cannot fathom. Look at this table surface. Look at all that dust. Yes, sir. It is building up, sir. You could write your name in it. It's disgusting. Well, no, I couldn't. Don't contradict me, girl. I'm in no mood to tolerate contradicting and caterwauling all at the same time. All I mean by it, sir, is that I couldn't write my name in the dust, seeing as how I can't write my name. But if I could write my name, sir, I agree with you. There's certainly enough dust to do it. Uh, yes, of course, Edith. Look. Look. There is your name. I've written it for you. Oh, that's me, is it, sir? That's me in the dust? Yes. And what's your name like, sir? Oh, do show me. What a wonder it is to be educated. No, 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 never you mind about my name, Edith. You look to your work. Now, I want these pots scrubbed and that dust cleaned. And I want it done quietly. Yes, sir. I'm sorry, sir. What is it I always tell you, Edith? Um, what are the exact words? I'm nothing, sir. I'm nobody. That's it. Good girl. Carry on. It's a scullery. It seems you're right. We're in an Edwardian house. Or sometime afterwards. No, I don't think so. If I point the torch over there, do you see? It's an old washboard. The scullery made in the house I grew up in was used to equipment a little more advanced than that. Or maybe the people who live in this house are simply poorer than your family. Not judging by the size of this room. This is a far larger scullery than the one I'm used to. Hmm... Do you see anything else which distinguishes this scullery from the one in your house in 1930? Well, no. But then I didn't spend much time there. It was just the scullery, after all. It's not exactly proof, but I think saying we're in the Edwardian era is a good working theory, 1901 to 1910. The latter years, if the contents of the larder are any indication. Look, there are candles over there. We'd better use those instead. Here. That's better. You light the other one whilst I put these torches back in the TARDIS. There's no need to be more anachronistic than is strictly necessary. <laughs> Whereas, of course, the presence of a police telephone box in the larder won't give any cause for comment at all. No, well, we'll just have to hope nobody wants any raspberry jam. I'll be back in a moment. All right. Whoever this scullery maid is, she's not very good at her job. These plates have been left dirty. But these ones are clean. She's left the job half done. Found anything interesting? Oh, well, if my father had employed a maid like this, he'd have sacked her on the spot, leaving the plates soaking in cold water. And is the water cold? Well, I'd assume so. It's dark and there's no one here. Oh, that's odd. It's still hot. Perhaps she meant to return in a few minutes. Then why is it so dark here? And where is she? Edith Thompson. What? Here, look. A name written in the dust. Our missing maid, perhaps. We used to have an Edith working for us, too. Charlie Pollard. There. I've written my name beside it. Doctor! What is it? The dust! It, it spread back over my name! Look, it's gone! Yes. That is odd. But Edith's name is left intact. Doctor, I can't wipe it away. It's as if it's frozen there. It must be some sort of trick. Curiouser and curiouser. Because you remember that jar of raspberry jam you spilled in the larder. What about it? Well, when I returned to the TARDIS, I saw it sitting back on the shelf. Just a moment. I spilled some on my dress. No, that's gone too. 
medical doctor, that doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't, does it? Come on, let's see if we can find anyone to explain what's going on. I trust all will be ready for tomorrow, Mrs. Baddeley. Oh, yes, Mr. Shaughnessy. I assure you there'll be a veritable Christmas feast. Such a big turkey this year. You wouldn't believe the size of it, Mr. Shaughnessy. It took all my strength and dexterity just to cram all its feet onto the plate at the same time. Oh, indeed. Just as I squeezed one of its legs into place, blow me if another leg didn't pop out the other side. It's a veritable monster, Mr. Shaughnessy. And I've made them one of my famous plum puddings, too. Christmas wouldn't be Christmas without one of my plum puddings. Sounds like a meal Mrs. Beaton herself will be proud of. Oh, begging your pardon, Mr. Shaughnessy, but Mrs. Beaton can go hang. Begging your pardon, Mr. Shaughnessy, her plum puddings are nothing to mine. They've been passed down the Badleys for generations. It's a secret recipe. I have no doubt, Mrs. Badley, that you will do your best to surpass yourself. I keep trying to surpass myself, Mr. Shaughnessy, I really do. If only I were given a little help. Edith, Edith, get in here. Well, you're no good to me in the scullery. I want you in the kitchen. Hurry up. I'm washing the pots, Mrs. Baddeley, and then I'm dusting the room, just as Mr. Shaughnessy said, didn't you, Mr. Shaughnessy? Don't answer me back, girl. Don't answer back, Mrs. Baddeley, Edith. No, sir. Sorry, sir. You do as I tell you. Well, what's the good of you, I should like to know? Yes, Mrs. Baddeley, sorry. Do as Mrs. Baddeley instructs you, Edith, and then you may return to the pots and dusting. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. The plum pudding will be ready now. Take it off the stove for me. I'm too busy chopping vegetables. Oh, it's hot! Well, of course it's hot, you stupid girl. It's been steaming these past six hours. Put it down here. Oh, she's an idiot, Mr Shaughnessy. A veritable idiot. Indeed. Oh, your plum pudding, Mrs Baddeley, has a wonderful scent. Thank you, Mr Shaughnessy. I love the smell of warm plum pudding. Will we eat this on Christmas Day? Don't you go tasting it, Edith. I wasn't going to taste it. This is going upstairs, Edith. Our plum pudding is sitting over there. Oh, it's a lot smaller. Naturally. But there are more servants down here than there are them upstairs, so shouldn't we get the bigger pudding? That is a wicked thought, Edith. Is it? Oh, I'm sorry, I, I don't want to be wicked. Not at Christmas. I should think not. We're nothing. We're nobody. Remember that. Oh, I will. I love your plum pudding, Mrs Baddeley. Christmas wouldn't be Christmas without your plum pudding. That's not a very original observation, Edith. Everyone says that about my plum pudding. Now get peeling them spuds. Ah, that'll be the drawing room. His lordship will be wanting his sherry. Start peeling those potatoes, Edith. Yes, Mr Shaughnessy. I am already Mr Shaughnessy. Don't answer back. And when you've done that, finish your scrubbing and dusting. How you think you're ever going to get on by antagonising Mr Shaughnessy is quite beyond me. And you'd like to get on, wouldn't you, Edith? You want to be a cook like me. Yes, Mrs Badley. You have designs on my plum pudding. Well, you'll never amount to a cook, Edith. You'll never amount to anything over my dead body. Yes, Mrs. Bradley. Good evening, ladies. Good evening. Good evening, Frederick. Well, what have you got there, Edith? One of Mrs. Badley's famous plum puddings, I'll be bound. Oh, yes, but it's for upstairs. You're not to touch it. <laughs> then I won't. They're famous, my puddings. Edith might think she could be a cook, but she wouldn't make a pudding like this. Not in a million years. Christmas wouldn't be Christmas without one of your plum puddings, would it, Mrs. Badley? It just wouldn't be Christmas. <clears throat> I wonder, Mrs. Badley, if uh, I could have a private word. Edith, go back to your duties in the scullery. But you just called me in here. And now I'm sending you out again. What's the matter with you, girl? Go on, get away with you. I'm sorry, Mrs. Badley. I'm sorry, Frederick. I know what you want to say to me, and I'm telling you now it'll do you no good. But I'm sure we can come to some arrangement. What do you say? 
the kitchen. And there's still no one to be seen. No, not a soul. Aha! I found a plum pudding, though. Oh, I found another. Look, I'll shine the candle. An Edwardian Christmas. How lovely. Hmm. I never much liked plum pudding. Cook always used to make far too much of it, and we were still picking our way through it by New Year. Oh, I love a bit of plum pudding, though. Mmm, with brandy butter, too. I wonder if I can find any... And she always used to put threepenny bits inside. And I was always frightened I'd bite straight into one and break a tooth. Spoil sport, but we're agreed it's Christmas, then. Oh, yes. The question is, have we missed the day itself? See if you can find a turkey anywhere. You've been listening to a Big Finish production.